This is a little strange for me. I'm far used to uh, preaching to uh, uh, faces as opposed to a camera, but I'm doing my best. So I want to begin by uh, a few announcements sort of for the sake of uh, Chapel Woods community and where we're at together in the midst of all this. Uh, the first is we made the decision from um, in talking with church council and myself, talking with uh, the district office as well, to go ahead and suspend all activities and programming here at Chapelwood until uh, Tuesday, March 24th. Obviously, the situation is very fluid and evolving, and as we see uh, cases uh, rise or fall, that'll change our programming and our plan moving out. Uh, I wish I had a crystal ball and could tell you, yes, we will be closed or open on this day, but I truly don't know. And so uh, each uh, week, we'll sort of take stock of where we are and then work our traditional avenues of communication uh, to make the community uh, know what's going on. That'll be through email, uh, Facebook, uh, and your Sunday school classes. So if you are not getting these emails, would you please contact the church office so we can make sure that you are on our constant contact list and we can uh, maintain good communication in the midst of this uh, time that is, quite frankly, difficult to communicate in. Uh, that would be very helpful for us. Uh, John Wesley, uh, the founder of Methodism, said that any preacher should be prepared to do three things at a moment's notice. Pray, preach, and die. Uh, I didn't know that I was supposed to preach today. It was not scheduled, uh, but things happen. And I was in Hill Country on vacation with my family, uh, and I called uh, Lindsay, who had prepared a beautiful sermon for today. We'd worked on it during the week. And uh, we talked and prayed and through conversation said, I think we need to sort of shift uh, tax and uh, preach something a little bit different today. And so um, I, I either won or lost that decision, however you want to interpret that. Uh, this is uh, fell to me. So uh, the order for today is I want to begin with the prayer. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to hop into that scripture and uh, hear a sermon 
And then we will uh, close with a, a time of prayer together and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and so a, a few things uh, as we navigate this uh, sort of uh, digitally today. Uh, the first is, uh, if you could type in prayer requests in the chat window there, um, we'd be happy to uh, be praying over those during the week uh, as a way to uh, honor our community uh, together uh, digitally as it may be. So uh, before we hear from Psalm 34, uh, let's pray together. Compassionate God, I pray you would be in our midst today. As we gather digitally in the midst of concerns around disease and infection, Lord, we ask that you would guide our thoughts and deeds as we listen to what you may have for us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The scripture reading today comes from Psalm 34. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Hear these words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant, so your faces shall never be ashamed. This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, his holy ones. To those who fear him, they have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord, and which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The word of God for the people of God. And the people said together, thanks be to God. So there are uh, places and times that we truly will never forget. I know for some people, they can tell me like what they were wearing, where they were when they heard Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. 
For other people, they can tell me what they were wearing or what they were eating or who they were talking with when they heard about the assassination of JFK. For others, they remember gathering around that small little 13-inch black and white television in Grandma's house to watch the Apollo missions. And for still others, they remember where they were when the Challenger exploded a few moments after takeoff. And now for, uh, for younger generations, uh, we remember things like September 11th. We distinctly remember the Columbia disaster We remember pictures and video and press conferences of Hurricane Katrina. We remember the the housing collapse of 2008. And uh, all too recently, we remember the impact that Hurricane Harvey had on certain communities across our nation. These are our moments that are embedded in our subconscious as a people. These places and times they are moments that do things to us. They, they shake us to our very core. They change public policies, and they make us more aware of our shortcomings. They bring us face-to-face with the reality that we are not all-knowing, all-powerful creatures, even though we wish we were. We are not. And it is out of that realization that comes a sort of terror, this terror that we begin to feel like we have no meaning, we begin to feel like we have no purpose or direction in life, and that one day that we're going to die, and perhaps it won't be on our own terms, and these sort of haunt us. The ancient people uh, seem to be far more comfortable and familiar with this idea than us modern people. It is in our tradition uh, that God's people were persecuted under the Egyptian dynasty. Uh, God's people were persecuted under the Babylonians. They sort of uh, faced this threat of annihilation all the time. Centuries later, the, the Romans would execute Christians for simply not proclaiming that Caesar is Lord. The feeling of dread was ever present in their lives. But today, I think that you and I, we we face a sort of different dread, uh, the dread of disease that doesn't really follow geopolitical guidelines or rules or regulations. It's just there, like the boogeyman, ever-present. To my knowledge, the last time that public worship was canceled on a large scale was during the Spanish influenza of the 1918 uh, crisis. Uh, And so we are in unprecedented times. The Pope has called for the cancellation of private confession and prayer. Uh, Those of you who know me personally know that I'm a little bit of a history buff, um, and I was doing some research on this, and I don't think ever in the history of Christianity that that's ever happened. Uh, during World War II and World War I, uh, Catholics faithful gathered individually for private prayer and consultation. And uh, I mean, when Napoleon was conquering Europe, uh, when the bubonic plague of the medieval ages was sweeping across nations, they still gathered. Um, I mean, even during the sack of Rome, Christians gathered individually for confession and for prayer. 
So the last time that we've seen such a large scale of closures was maybe never. It's truly unprecedented times. But really, I'm curious, how unprecedented of times are are we living in? We will do well to remember as Methodists that we live our worldview in life in such a way that we consult four things called the quadrilateral uh, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. When we uh, go about life and we think about how to live faithfully in the middle of uh, uncertainty, we can consult scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. When we are faced with the question, we don't know how to take that next step, we can consult scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And so when we examine our circumstances today through that lens, the lens of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, I think God has something for us today. So let's first look at that passage that we read earlier out of Psalm 34. In verse 6, I find this fascinating tidbit, right? This poor soul cried and was heard by the Lord and was saved from every trouble. Biblically, I, I think about the people who cried out to God. You have the Israelites, you have David, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jonah, all of these biblical witnesses crying out to God. In the New Testament, you might recall that there is a, uh, a sea in the northern part of Israel called the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is asleep on a boat, and there's a huge storm that overcomes them, and the disciples cry out to Jesus saying, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We are a people of a rich history of crying out to God, and a rich history that knows that God hears the cries of the needy. In verse 14, I'm struck by these words. It says, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. So when you're asking this question, I mean, what should I be doing in the midst of this? Because I need to do something. I'm going to go crazy. Do good. Seek peace. Pursue those things. Those things will bring about God's kingdom. In verse 15, it says, his ears are open to their cry. I think it's beautiful that we serve a God who has ears instead of an empty God that doesn't hear anything. This God is receptive to our conversation. This God is receptive to the cries of our hearts. In verse 18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Not only does this God hear us, but this God is near to us. This isn't some God far off over there who's saying like, good luck, I hope it all works out for you. This God is near to us in the midst of our suffering. This God is the God who sits beside us in the hospital. This is the God who sits beside us at home when we're going crazy over these next couple days of socially distancing ourselves from others. This is the God who is near to us 
in the midst of our trials, struggles, and tribulations. The God who draws near to us when we are sick and ill and dying. This God is near and close. This God knows what it is like to suffer in the example of Christ on the cross. This God knows what we are going through. I think the most um, brilliant thing about Psalm 34 that can teach us something about God is how it all begins in verse 1. It says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. At times it can be difficult to see where God is in the midst of such suffering and death and chaos. But may we be people who continually bless God's name, that we praise out the goodness of God and this God who draws close in the midst of our suffering. That is what scripture teaches us. The second that we can pull from is tradition. The Christian tradition itself is ripe with examples of how we as God's people respond in the midst of crisis. From all the ancient diseases in Rome to the black death of the medieval period to cholera and influenza of colonial times and beyond, we as Christians are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And historically, in examples of disease, we have been documented as Christians of doing that very thing. It was the Christians who gave material possessions and stepped up when the need was truly great. It was Christians who built hospitals and cared for the sick and dying in the midst of trauma and disease. And so may we not abandon our rich history of caring for the sick and dying. May we be there when people need us most in the days and weeks to come. That is what tradition can teach us. The third is reason. My dad always said, uh, son, God gave you a brain, so you better use it. And I think there is some great wisdom in that simple statement. As we seek to respond in the midst of this crisis, we need to be prudent. We need to use our brain. We need to care for our families first, so that we can care for others. If we ourselves are not taking care of ourselves, how can we extend ourselves in care to the community? We need to care for ourselves and our families so that we can care for those in our community. So when local governments urge us to socially distance and exercise an abundance of caution, we analyze their remarks and we follow suit. We follow suit not because we sort of bend unwavering to governmental authority. No, we follow suit because as people of God, we're called to love our neighbor. And by socially distancing ourselves from the most vulnerable around us, we are actively loving our neighbor. So this will not be an easy time in our society. I promise you, we will be tempted to blow it off. 
we will be tempted to think that we know better than the World Health Organization or we know better than the Center for Disease Control. And we will be tempted to get out of the house because we're going crazy and we're going to go to public spaces and do public things. And in doing all of that, I would argue that we are failed to loving our neighbor. And so, friends, be reasonable, use your head, be cautious, if not for you, for your neighbor. Be cautious for your neighbor. That is what reason can teach us. And the fourth thing that is our great teacher is experience. Experience, I think, teaches us a lot. In 2008, uh, I had uh, jaw surgery. So, you know, when you go to the dentist and you get that big panoramic x-ray, um, all the dental hygienists kind of gather around because I have two titanium plates and 17 screws in my head. And they're like, that's crazy looking. And it is sort of weird. I sort of look like Wolverine from like the neck up. Uh, and it's just sort of strange to see all that metal in a human. Um, but during that time, I had an eight-week recovery where my mouth was closed shut, and I was on a solid liquid diet. At the time, I weighed like 155. By the end of my eight-week period, I had lost 15 pounds because you can only like drink, you know, drink your meals. So I was gathering with friends, and friends would actively get up and leave the table I was sitting at. And I began to experience this sort of loneliness. And I was like, why are you, like, walking away from me like I'm some sort of pariah? And they said, we don't want to eat in front of you because we don't want to make you feel bad. And it was in that instance that I realized that the meal and the food that I was having was really not about the meal and the food. It was about the people I was enjoying the meal and food with. It was about community. And it became clear to me in that moment that we are creatures who are made for community. We need each other. And that's why this time will be so difficult. And so I'm left thinking, how in the world can you have community when you need to practice social distancing and caution in the midst of these troubling times? So I want to end with a few things that we can engage in uh, to foster community, three ideas uh, to sort of, um, I don't know, put in place and try out uh, during these coming days and weeks um, as we sit tight and wait for this uh, virus to pass. The first one is to call your friends. Uh, there is a function on your phone that allows you to press in numbers and make a phone call to somebody. It's very strange. Uh, most people use their phone for all sorts of other things except for actually using it as a phone. Um, there's something so different from a, a phone call versus a text. There's nothing wrong with texting. I love texting as my primary means of communication, but I'm going to challenge myself and I want to challenge you to actually pick up the phone and call your friends in these coming days and weeks. Just ask them, hey, how are things going? What have you been up to? What are you working on? What, are you, what did you have to eat? Uh, we have lost the art of conversation in our society. We truly have. And this is a great opportunity to cultivate that back into who we are as people, as communal people. So call your friends, check in on them. If you have an elderly grandparent, 
you haven't talked to them in a while, call them, say, hey, grandma, hey, grandpa, I'm checking in on you. If you need to call your elderly folks, say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm checking in on you. Uh, How are things in your neck of the woods? I guarantee you that it'll create community in these coming days and weeks. The second idea that I have that um, I've done a couple times, and it's been fine, but it could find new life in this season, is that is to practice Skype, FaceTime, Facebook Live, and Google Hangouts together. Um, Have you ever had dinner with somebody through FaceTime? I think I've done it like once or twice. But like literally, this is what you do. You go over to the microwave, you put your food in or whatever, right? You cook it at the stovetop or you order it from wherever. You come back and then you call your brother or you call your sister because you've already planned this out ahead of time because you've called them. And so you're going to say, let's have dinner together. And then you put the phone up right across from you and you just have dinner like you would normal. Well, you can engage with them. It is different, but you still can still engage and cultivate community in that regard. The third thing, kind of experiment that I want to encourage you to lean into during this time is the use of the internet. Uh, For many of you, you rely heavily on things like going to AA, uh, a support group for parents of young children, or a support group for parents who have dementia or Alzheimer's or aging and you need to care for them now. Uh, There is an abundance of resources online where you can find like-minded folks for support in the midst of this time of socially distancing and uh, using an abundance of caution. So uh, Google that and see if you can cultivate community in that way because we truly are creatures who are made for community. So today I'm reminded that one, we serve a God who hears our cries. And second, that we live in a tradition that has a rich history of loving our neighbor as ourself. And third, that God gave us a brain, (laughs) and so we better use it. And fourth, that there are lots of ways to engage in community in the meantime, while we let this disease run its course. And so may we continue to be people who hold hope in God, who is above all things, holding all things, and is near to us, closer than any virus ever is, in the midst of our trouble. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we continue our worship together, we come to a time of prayer where I'll offer a short pastoral prayer. Then I'll have a a moment of silence. I want to encourage you to type in prayer requests as you're able. Uh, You can email them to the church office. Um, We'll sit with those for a while in silence together. I want to encourage you to be praying on the other side of whatever device you're viewing this from. And then we'll close together with the Lord's Prayer. So together, let us go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we are humbled in the midst of such chaotic times. We uh, gather today to pray for our families and our friends. We gather to pray for our uh, cities and our greater community. 
we gather to pray for um, our nation and its leaders. And Lord, we gather to pray for the world, for the countries who have it far, far worse than we do right now, and for those families and people who are impacted. Lord, help us see that those are not just numbers ticking on a screen, but that those are people. Those are people who are made in your image, who you love, and those people are connected to families and communities who will feel that loss. And so, Lord, increase in us empathy and compassion for those individuals touched by this. Increase in us a desire to take action, to love our neighbor, and to lean into your calling to bring about your kingdom here and now. Lord, as we uh, gather, we lift up to you those concerns that are laying on our heart and mind this morning. God of grace, compassion, and mercy, we pray that you would hear the cries of our heart and that you would draw near to us. And it is with a certain boldness that we draw near to you, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is beautiful, you know. Let's do it one more time. Come on, open your mouth and say, I need you. I need you. Let me hear you. you